0: This is Viv and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. So today I have with me the founder of Slants Foundation, but he is also the founder and bassist of the world's first and only Asian-American dance rock band. Is that right? Um, Among other numerous achievements and awards and just crazy stories, just an impressive history of things that he's done, like holding the world's record for the most TEDx experiences, winning a Supreme Court case. But Simon, I just want to welcome you. I'm sure the listeners are as curious as I am.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I usually say I'm an, you know, author, activist, but I oftentimes sum it up with just one word, which is troublemaker. And it was a word that was applied to me by the US government when I was challenging them for many years, but I also just kind of liked it because it was a way to honor The former congressman john lewis who would oftentimes say make good trouble and i'm like yeah it's it's good to shake things up a bit so that's that's what i try and do is like look at unconventional ways of changing the culture
0: awesome so simon the troublemaker so there's like a million things i do want to talk to you about but today's episode is really about the slants foundation and i really want to know about the origin of it the mission and yeah i'm just curious about the foundation
1: I think the origin of it started a long time ago in that when our band was really actively touring around the country, we were already partnering with a lot of different social justice organizations, primarily in the Asian American community. And I just thought, wow, we're already doing a ton of like philanthropy work. It'd be really neat if we could kind of do our own thing and have our own spin on it and address some of the gaps that we had been seeing out in in the field of nonprofits. But it didn't really become like a reality until late 2019 when our band was just kind of making the decision to retire from live touring. I think it was then that we actually had the time and capacity to actually intentionally create something. You know, I think we always kind of knew the focus was going to be on arts and activism, and we knew that it was going to be largely focused on Asian and Pacific Islander communities. But what that work looked like, we, we just didn't quite know until I thought like, well, where where are the gaps? Like where where can we actually step in and be able to make a difference? And so that's when we really started charting out all the different programs. And I just kind of kept emphasizing, like, I want to make sure we're not duplicating someone else's work, but I also want to rethink how the work even gets done. Like if there's a chance that we can rethink processes or systems, I'm all about that because I think there's a really good opportunity to to build something from the start. You know, since late 2019, early 2020, we were really able to kind of ramp up those efforts and just start launching multitude of programs. You know, I initially funded it through book sales and some of our bands, record sales and that sort of thing. And I was just like, let's just hit the ground running and we'll kind of figure it out as we go along. Now uh, we're finally really starting to understand who we are, I think. And I think it's beautiful. It's like kind of watching this little seed grow into something else, you know, it's taking root and now it's getting shape and it's it's really beautiful to watch it uh, kind of develop.
0: I think it is something that is very unique about your organization is the idea of like, let's just see what happens. Let's see where the need is and then we'll grow with it. I think we see that a lot in activism and art and not necessarily as much in the nonprofit world. And it's something that is really shifting in the nonprofit world, being more easy to pivot, I think is something that we are seeing a shift in. But I I love that part. I love that y'all are ready to change.
1: Oh, well, this is what happens when you get founded by a group of artists and and activists, like we're all (laughs) kind of have either community organizing background or we make art as music filmmakers or what have you. It's more like, what can we create? And we'll just figure it out as we go along. And you're right in terms of being able to pivot because You know, we started out, for example, in the very beginning of 2020, I was thinking about how there's this need to help touring artists, like performing artists that spend all this time on the road. I was like, they oftentimes don't have hotel rooms or safe places to stay. So let's go ahead and do an entire program providing safe lodging, and we'll use that to highlight the safety of people traveling around the world and how there's this crisis with refugees and like we need to call more attention to immigration. So we'll use these artists of these platforms to call attention to that. And then like, two weeks after I announced it, the world shut down. Okay, it was like, okay, <laughs> there's no more touring. So then I was like, okay, you know, then we, we saw what was happening, like right at the outset of COVID, there was this huge spike in anti-Asian racism. And one of the communities most impacted by the pandemic that no one really talked about were were artists, in particular performing artists, and there was a huge decline. You know, those artists aren't going to be qualified for PPP loans or any of these kind of initial programs. So I was like, why don't we fund art that speaks to this racial pandemic? We can counter that hateful rhetoric with art that builds empathy and storytelling, and so we are able to take that idea turn it around within two weeks and we launched the program and funded a couple dozen artists and just said like hey we're going to keep you employed keep building a pipeline for resources for you give you mentorship and and give you a community to support while you're doing the really good work of changing the culture
0: We so need artists to change the minds and the hearts of people. I think a lot of people still wonder what the importance of art and how we, how much should we fund it in comparison to other programs?
1: It's certainly something I I feel like I always have to defend investment (laughs) into the arts and the, the fact that it shapes the world we live in. I think we should invest in it because it makes the world better. Like just as like a city invests in, its bridges and its roads and that sort of thing. Like we, we see it, that as the infrastructure. There's another infrastructure that communities have and that's its connection with its people and the rich environment that we find ourselves in. I mean, nobody would want to live in a community that was lacking in all those things, yeah. yet those things do require funding. They require support and, and labor.
0: Yeah, it's, it's difficult to see the decline um, in support right now. I do want to talk about the impact that the Slants Foundation has had. What are some of the things that you've been able to accomplish with artists? Um, I also want to know about your artists.
1: Uh, so right now we have kind of a community of probably a couple hundred artists. So they're all Asian-American creators of some sort, mostly musicians. But we have some filmmakers, people who are writers dance troops and so on. And it's been really amazing to work within this community and build a space where I like to say they can show up to meetings without the footnotes. There's no explanation. They don't have to like give context for their cultural identities. They can just talk about who they are and feel welcome in that particular space. So we, we give mentorship and, and we also help fund projects. So we help, so far we've helped fund a couple of films a couple of dance programs, a new theater program that's building a coalition between Vietnamese and Black communities. We've released a couple of albums by like help funding artists in that regard. On top of that, like we aren't just like funding these projects, but we're connecting those artists with local community organizations so that there's a sustained relationship with the change that they seek to create in the world. What I am really interested in is like how can we invest in the artists by funding them Mentoring them to make sure that the dollars are used in a way that can continue to bring returns and also connecting them with a community so they get long-term support even beyond whatever project they create
0: it makes me excited just because you know as an asian american kid we're not very encouraged to go into the arts right and i actually do know one of your one of your artists is jessica from project voice pod she's actually yeah, one yeah. of the people that encouraged me to go into podcasting as well that's amazing I think it's it's really cool and the community is really small. It's always impactful and exciting to see. Oh my gosh, they know this person and this person knows that person. It's
1: it's such a small world. It's wild. And the presence of Asian Americans in pop culture, it's relatively new in the grand scheme of things. And so like I remember when I was starting out as a musician, we knew pretty much every single Asian American musician out there because there was only like a handful of us. And Now it's getting a little more sophisticated and now there's like subgroups and there's all these different other kinds of ways that people are able to find community. But AAPIs are just still trying to find our footing, especially given how diverse our own community is. Like we have so many different experiences and we just have this like broad umbrella label. So it's like, okay, what can we do to build coalitions even within that community?
0: Yeah, we definitely need more diverse representation because I think right now we're bombarded with images of crazy rich Asians and the Bling Empire and that other HBO show that keeping up with the hoes or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And
0: it's like it makes Asian star experience so monolithic. And I, I appreciate seeing more and more media coming out with more diverse Asian representation. And I like to see the mobilization and us working together towards that. And, you know, in light of the current situation, I, I think it's incredibly important to support each other and support Asian American artists and change makers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have an opportunity right now to shift that narrative. And that's why I so believe in the, the arts, because you're right in that when you don't have depictions that are nuanced or even diverse, you're just going to be seen as a stereotype because that's the only thing that other people know you through. You know, like when I was growing up, most of the films that were out there were absolutely terrible. I mean, like our rep- like Long Duck Dong. Come on, like this is not <laughs> good representation. And we have so much more complexity to our community, but the fact that it wasn't even given a chance to be seen. It's no wonder that people only saw us as, you know, Asian males as emasculated or that Asians were just only seen as like Chinese or Southeast Asian or like all these other things. Like it took a lot more proactive efforts and it's efforts that are still happening to this day to show that it's much more nuanced than that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And something I do want to talk about is you call your band The Slants and you also called the foundation The Slants Foundation. And I know there's controversy about the name and I just want you to be able to speak to it. What is the name? Like what's going on there?
1: (laughs) Sure. So for the band name, since the foundation is named after the band, like it originally started as a conversation that I was having with other people about Asian-American culture. Like I was surrounded by non-Asians all the time. And I would ask them like, well, what's something you think all Asian people have in common? And they would always say slanted eyes, which I kind of cringe and I was like, that was the reason why I was beat up as a kid and made fun of and all that other stuff. Then I kind of started thinking about it. And I was like, well, you know, I always associated slanted eyes with, with shame and embarrassment. But what if we could flip it around? What if we can, instead of feeling embarrassment, what if I felt empowerment? Because I knew Asians were like the most bullied demographic in U.S. schools. So I wasn't alone in that front. So what if we could just talk about it as our slant on life, our perspective of what it's like to be Asian American while kind of reappropriating this outdated racial slur? And that's kind of was the genesis of the band, the, the slants. It was our slant on life. I'm also really into puns so I was like oh it's also a musical term because like slant is a type of guitar chord it's a type of amplifier and I was like there's all kinds of layers to this so I, I, on top of that it just sounds like a band uh, when we were starting our foundation it's kind of funny that you bring that up because I was bringing it up to the board I was like what should we call the the nonprofit and it was someone else who was on our board who wasn't in the band and they're like why don't you just call it the Slants Foundation since the band starting it. And they're like, you fought so hard for this name and the right to identify yourself and to introduce a new type of conversation. Shouldn't you stand by that work? And I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Like it makes sense that we should be able to lead the conversation around it, that we should be able to say, you know what? We own the rights to determine the context of how we would like to be addressed or how we would like to use language that shouldn't be determined by those outside of our group slant, or slanted eyes was never supposed to be offensive to begin it with. It was white supremacists. It was our oppressors that used it and started using it in a derogatory way. So it's like, well, let's not give them that permission to do that. Let's not perpetuate this poisonous term. Let's instead shift it to something completely different. And so that's kind of what happened with the name.
0: I like that. And I'm curious about how you feel personally about appropriation and free speech and like me as a woman like me taking back the b-word if i so wanted to like what is your philosophy behind language and the use of it
1: i think well for me i think language is really imperfect we would like to think we know what words mean but we don't because words are largely situated in context and intention and you can't always accurately tell what someone's intentions are The best that we can do is assume that we have a shared experience or understanding of a word and kind of go from there where it's broken is where we have different experiences and that's why reappropriation is so confusing for a lot of people because like not everyone has the same relationship not everyone has the desire to change the relationship with that word and so it can be controversial but i think we should be allowed to do so and we should be allowed to use tools like parody satire and wit because those things neuter malice but if you were to legislate saying certain words are bad and they're always bad no matter what it strips us of that ability you know because all of a sudden those power structures get reinforced they they stay the same but if all of a sudden you can use say poetry to change the context and give powers to communities that are traditionally marginalized by the system all of a sudden power structure flips upside down and we have a chance to change the culture through that particular process. Not only that, but if you think about it, like how it's used when governments have the ability to legislate and say, let's say they say like hateful content is illegal. The people who get the benefit of the doubt are going to be the people most like those in charge. And we've seen this time and time again. Same thing with like, oh, some protests are okay and other protests are not okay. What ended up happening, as we've seen in the last couple of years, is that the state will crack down on communities of color far more than they do white-led protests, including like a group of ranchers fully armed, took over a government building for a long period of time, and they all walked away. Had that been like a, say, quote-unquote, Black Lives Matter protest, and they're like, we're going to take over this federal building, you better believe that there was going to be violence that ensued. There were going to be lives taken. So certain groups get that benefit of the doubt and we see the same thing with, with speech as well. And That's why I believe we ha- absolutely have to protect that because you know, the rules that are the most fair are the ones that protect us and that we would agree to no matter who was in charge. And we have to say like, okay, even if you say something disagreeable, I'm going to protect that right because I'm going to need that protection myself.
0: See, I, I think naturally I agree with you, but for some reason these days, it's very hard for me I, to just hear certain words.
1: Oh, it's totally hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably like, you know, in light of the current situations, I'm just not able to process things as as I would like to. And so I'm just like legislate it all, <laughs> like for, yeah. put regulations on it all. Um, I, I know. I, it, I love that you brought me back.
1: It's... It's tempting, right? It's tempting because we, we're like, this hurts. This is a pain point. We want to address that pain. But we also should be looking at the root causes. Like what brought us to this point? At the end of the day, like if you think about it, there would be no such thing as racial slurs if we did not live in a system that upholds racism. They would just be words. Absolutely find a way to deal with pain, but probably don't use the government to do that because that's going to create even more pain. Like figure out this the inequitable system, transform that. And then probably by using culture, we can address some of those other issues.
0: Right. I want to go back to speaking about the Slants Foundation and the radical act that you're doing there you know supporting asian american artists and amplifying their voices and their stories what are the opportunities that lie ahead you know where do you see this going in light of the current situations what are you doing to heal and organize
1: i think right now there's in the time we're in where there's just this wave of attacks against Asian Americans that seem to be more publicly recognized than than traditionally so, I think there are a couple of different opportunities. One is we do need healing for our own community, which is why we've been providing space for our artists to kind of process and to, to be able to explore their feelings and share their experiences. And so we'll have like call sessions And, and, and just basically kind of be there to provide an ear, you know, one thing that's really heartbreaking to me is that for a lot of the younger artists we work with, this is the first time they've ever experienced anything like this. And they aren't, they, they don't have the same experience as I did where like I was bullied a lot as a kid. I was born in the era where like Vincent Chin was murdered, where there was like open attacks of Asians on the streets with no accountability. So I'm like. This isn't the first time we've been through this we'll find a way we'll make it work out like you know because that that at the same time as like the early 80s as as devastating as it was the violence and the hatred towards asians that was the same period that the asian american legal defense and education fund was born that all these cultural organizations started being birthed and all these resources and attention finally mobilized a community that was Otherwise, not that politically active or, or like, recognized. And so I knew a lot of good could come from that. But for those who don't have that experience, it's very difficult. It's like, what do we do right now? So first and foremost, provide support for them and let, let them know, like, there is a way out. This is an opportunity for us to take the con- the conversation and build something really beautiful from it. You know, from, from these tragedies, how can we create something that's really good and something that could be sustained? I think beyond that, there's also kind of the public facing, the outward facing thing, which is, I believe you know, one that drives empathy. And that's why I think like we really want to focus on those artistic works that say focus on coalition building or storytelling or things that show a different side of the story where we can say like, this is like who we are, like, and this has been our experience, an experience that's been largely invisible. So that's why it's really important for me to fund like storytelling, poetry, writing, like whatever it might be, because I think those stories need to be heard. And we try and support that by saying like, like not only does our own community need to hear it because it provides healing and, and, and kind of like connection, but we also need to get it beyond just like the Asian American community. Like I want to pour so much of this content into the larger environment where we're in, where it's not seen as a niche thing, where it's not like, oh, that's Asian American content. I want people in the rest of the US to say that's American culture and to accept it and to see it and hear it and feel it. Because I think that's when the conversations that we're having now about hateful attacks, I think they will see a radical shift in them.
0: Yeah, I just want to say I'm like one of those people that are experiencing it for the first time. It was earth shattering to me. Yeah, and it was like seven, or it was six Asian women that were massage therapists, and you know I used to be massage therapist. I don't know. It was, it was rough. It,
1: it was, it was hard for me. You know, it, it was shocking. Like as if the 3,800 other attacks this past year were not shocking enough, but just something about this was just particularly gruesome, violent, intentional, in a way that I think really rattled us as a, as a community.
0: I do want to talk about steps that you yourself are taking, steps that the Slants Foundation is taking, and things that we can do to help y'all, help the community together. Yeah, what are, what are some of the things?
1: I think that in times... Of trauma and times of pain, one of the best things that we can do is seek community, connect with one another to process together. I think having company and people who understand you is really, really important. And the other part of it is like find a way to help another person. Gold House and a lot of other great Asian American organizations are partnering with GoFundMe to to fund research into better data collecting practices and legislative priorities to stop Asian American hate. That is a really great program to get involved in. If like, if, if people have a few extra dollars, like every dollar goes such a long way. So that could be one way or another example is like finding a way to help by getting training, like figuring out, okay, what can we do to, to do a better job to be prepared for these kinds of moments? So, Uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice. They partnered up with Hollaback and they're providing free bystander intervention training. Knowing that we can do something about it in a time period where we feel helpless actually helps a great deal. You know, getting involved in some kind of way, seeking connection. I think these are all meaningful ways that we can not only help ourselves in terms of like self-care and recovery, but we can also shift the tide that seems to be drowning our communities in, in pain right now. Oh, and listen to great music and art from our community because it's bomb.
0: <laughs> can you give us some recommendations on Asian American artists? You know, they could be artists that are part of this Lance Foundation. Yeah, what are some of the things that we can listen to, read, watch?
1: If you go to uh, the slants.org slash countering hate, there's a bunch of cool projects that we were able to be a part of and that uh, includes poetry, includes visual art and, and music and film. For those who are interested in music and music videos, we actually partnered with AsianAmericanMovies.com to launch something called AAMV Fest or Asian American Music Video Festival. And that's free. So all year long, we're every other month, we're gonna be throwing a miniature festival full of Asian American artists. It's aam.tv and then slash AAMV Fest. And that's just a really cool way to just enjoy content and then find some artists to, to watch and support. And I'm always just blown away by the talent of our community and just trying to find ways to amplify it because i think they do absolutely deserve more attention and love
0: 100 percent. and if there's anything that we can do to help
1: for folks who want to get involved or support what we're doing you could go to the slants.org uh, obviously, like every other nonprofit in the world, donations are awesome. Uh, and for us, you know, it's a hundred percent volunteer-driven. So my band actually covers all the costs of the nonprofit. So a hundred percent of the money goes directly towards the artists. Any kind of funding will help us be able to support more artists in that regard. And for those who want to like support the culture, I would say like check out things like Asian American Music Video Festival or check out the Countering Hate program that we have. There's a lot of really great content there and just supporting those artists is is a way of giving back.
0: Awesome. Well, I know what I'm going to be doing with my Friday night now. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for being on the podcast. For listeners, we're shooting this about a week after the Atlanta tragedy. And this episode is airing for Asian Heritage Month, but just letting y'all know where we are in timeline. So it's really comforting to have a conversation with someone like you, Simon, and I'm super happy to have had y'all on the podcast. Yeah, it's been amazing.
1: Well, thank you so much. It was very kind and
0: generous of you to say, so thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.